Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnified Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And if you need to find me and John, we'll be between pavement and starbursts. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. And we're back, and we just keep returning. That is a... uh, That is a... Boomerang reference. There you go. Magpod, Those two jokes Magpod. in five seconds. <laughs> I know. That's. I mean, I think the thing that I'm trying to work on is the jokes per second. You know, I just got to those JPMs, man. <laughs> JPS. That's right. <laughs> oh, J, J, I, was, I was thinking J, J, I was thinking now jokes per minute, but now I'm like, yeah, I got to think. They, uh, those step J, it up, baby. JPSs. JPSs. <laughs> those JPSs. Got to right. keep them. Those jokes keep coming back. And JPSs over here? <laughs> Talking some JPSs? Oh, so... Um, oh, brother. <laughs> oh, boy. This episode <laughs> is, is going to be fun. So in a little bit, we, is, that, is that ever like... Has that ever worked out when people are like, let me tell you how fun this is going to be. This is going to be great. Everybody... Uh, put on your funny pants because we're going to have a lot of JPSs coming up. <laughs> In the words of Ben Wyatt, it is fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Um, and I am pretty much Ben Wyatt. So, yep. uh, speaking of speaking of Ben Wyatt, the uh, did you have you listened to that the that first episode of not yet the new uh are you are you talking rhcp remy yeah yeah our our inspiration for our podcast they uh they've released the recent working on their third season talking album by album of the red hot chili peppers and i've not really heard those first couple red hot chili peppers records and they are wolf city yeah not <laughs> yeah i gotta say i mean i love rem so i was happy when they did move on for another second season not as much as you two but i was like fine i'll do rem but i gotta say it's kind of diminishing returns I, red hot chili peppers i enjoy them but not not on the level of of you two or <laughs> rem for me so no i i think it's sort of a um <laughs> it would be like if i feel like we you know people love People love U2, but I feel like the way people feel about U2 is like, um, uh, there's a lot of people that are like, I mean, you, you, you legitimately love U2 and, um, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people feel like their albums sort of peaked maybe 20 (laughs) years ago. Yeah, Uh, it's definitely fair. Or more. I mean, they all but, they all fit yeah. very comfortably in the in the dad rock category, so that's that's fine. They can continue with that. That's fair. I don't know. I just Red Hot Chili Peppers is not is. I mean, I'm still going to listen to the pod because I love yeah, I love Scott and Scott. But just um, you know, we we can hope that it's it that people will continue to listen to our podcast because of our sparkling personalities. Yeah, exactly. 
That's that's what keeps them coming back and returning. Right. Hashtag so when, when we cover, um, I don't know, who's an easy target? Weedus. <laughs> when we cover Weedus next season, <laughs> we hope you'll stick around. <laughs> that was a good poll. Well, yeah, well, yeah, we're we're but we're really only going to cover Teenage Dirtbag. It'll be right, a very a, short season. <laughs> the one, the one song I could name for sure. <laughs> yeah, and. We'll, we'll do we'll instead of doing an album by album of a band we'll do line by line of teenage dirtbag by weakness <laughs> that seems that seems fair uh teenage um it was, we'll, we'll spend <laughs> there we go um we'll spend we'll spend you know two and a half hours uh talking about how uh her boyfriend's a dick and he <laughs> brings a gun to school and oh, we'll just talk about uh, yeah right. yeah and her boyfriend's a dick. All right. <laughs> he brings a gun to school and he'd simply kick. Boy, that was... I uh, asked if he knew the truth. She pre, lives down uh, the block and he drives an IROC. <laughs> different different Should I keep going? <laughs> she doesn't tickets know to who I am. <laughs> this is, we've, this lost, is we've lost all listeners. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. tune in. You said we were going to have fun today. Why are we going to have fun? <laughs> um, we are going to be talking to Jeremy S. H. Griffith, who is a producer, engineer, uh, composer who uh, worked and engineered Five Iron's album "Engine of a Million Plots," and currently recording and engineering their new record right now. So we are going to be talking to him about his time sure. with the band, talking about uh, you know being an engineer, being in a band. Uh, it's a really fun conversation. So stick around for that. But before we before yes. we get into that, we we've got some voicemails. You know we we had Scott and Reese on recently, and. Uh, we have, <laughs> we have, uh, some voicemails from Reese, one of which, you know, we, we, you remember when we talked about Kansas Yes. and that, and that show in Kansas and we never ended up asking Reese about it on the interview, but Reese right. came with an answer about that show right. in McPherson, Kansas. Hi everyone, this is Reese Roper, Karate Master and Blood Donor. I needed to share with you, uh, because you're asking if I had any memories about playing in Kansas or those Kansas shows. I exactly remember playing in McPherson, Kansas. At that university, we played with Switchfoot and the Smiley Kids. And I, so here's what I remember. And my fiance, who prompted me to write many a Brave St. Saturn album, told me that same day that she didn't want to get married. Oh, boy. And so I was wrought with sorrow. And Frank Tate was there, and that was the day. And I remember in the back, back room of this little auditorium they had, I was blowing my eyes out, and Frank said, what, could you, what can I do to help you, man? And I wanted to make him feel better because I was a wreck. 
So I was like, well, can you do a rap on my album? (laughs) (laughs) Back pop for life. Okay. So <laughs> ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. So this this uh Magpod listener from Kansas who asked if Reese remember that show, we got a very specific memory and like a kind of a pivotal moment in Reese's life and songwriting. Like yeah. that and so not only does that 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 memory have a connection to Christy but also to Shadow of Death and Frank Tate rapping on that first Brave St. Saturn record. I mean, that that voicemail is rich with <laughs> historical context for so many, so many things. I, I took the I took the Frankie T rap request as a joke, but perhaps that was what he needed to cheer him up. I don't know. I I mean it could be possible. <laughs> Could can't can't uh can't put it past put it past Reese. It's true. So Satan, a big magpod listener. <laughs> That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, we did have a, a listener comment on a post that they wanted more Satan. So you're welcome. Uh, Satan was ready. Get him on the pod. John and Satan, <laughs> you won the contest. Now your soul is mine. Yes! <laughs> oh man, what contest did I win? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't remember what contest you won, but apparently, um, your soul now belongs to Satan. Oh man, it's just me. You're, you're in the clear. I guess so. I don't, I don't know. Satan specifically called, called, yeah, called you got, up. You know, gotta, gotta respect it, I guess. Yeah. Oh boy, amazing. All right, uh, Danny Leary. Hello, this is Danny. Two of too many Dannys of the classic 80s sitcom, Too Many Dannys, uh, and also Sadie Hawkins thought. And I'm calling because I'm sober, and the story I was trying to tell on your live stream of Reese and the Dingies was that I was at Soul Fest one year, and I think it would have been like 2002, and my friend and I saw Reese walking around. We go up. I don't remember the questions and the things I said to him, but we go up, we bother him. He's like, okay. And we're done bothering him. We walk away. He walks down one of the access roads that leads, you know, somewhere else off of the the showgrounds, like down towards the hotel. There's a hotel and campgrounds, and he's walking down that access road. Then we go to the parking lot, and we get in the car because there's no bands we want to see right now, so we're going off-site to go to, like, get food or something. But first, we stop at the hotel that's on site to steal from their ice machine because our cheap hotel has no ice machine. So we're like, let's real quick stop in here and steal some ice. That so is we, a cheap motel. As we park at the hotel, Reese is now literally right there where we park. And Reese looks at us and he's like, are you stalking me? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I swear, we're just here to steal ice. However, I forgot to ask you. Did you hear 
that the Dingies are getting back together because this is like 2002 after they initially broke up and then they got back together to have that record eventually that was not on Tuesday Nail. And he's like, yeah, I think I heard about that because nobody was posting about the Dingies getting back together in 2002 to eventually never be on Tuesday Nail again. So I'm like, I need any inside information I can get, even if it's from the lead singer of Five Iron Friends. And he's like, yeah, I think I did hear they're getting back together. And I'm like, okay, great. And then I go in to steal ice from the hotel at the Christian Music Festival. That's my story. It's hilarious because we accidentally seem to be stalking him, and I swear we weren't. Oh, and John did so great on that B-movie quiz that it just proves that he needs to jump ship. He's ready. Oh, He's ready okay. to jump ship over okay. to Cinema Cataclysm, uh-huh. starring John, Jeff, mm-hmm. and Dan. Cinema Fuck. Cataclysm. At Cinema Cataclysm on Twitter. Fuck. You, Danny Leary, <laughs> Try, coming on to our podcast, plugging, always plugging his own pod, talking about the same dingy story, trying to poach you. you know, this is this is some bullshit. I'll say I'll say two things. Number one, it doesn't have to be a jump ship situation. I can stay in this ship and also get on board that ship. I can be like riding two boats, you know, like straddling. Wow! Uh, wow, John! <laughs> I don't know why you're so opposed to this. this I, you know, fine, idea. fine. I mean, I just, I just feel like, I just feel like after two years of pouring, pouring ourselves into this pod, that you would have, I don't know, some goddamn loyalty or something. <laughs> MacPod will always be number one in my heart, but you know, you just, you need, to... you just need that side piece uh, <laughs> podcast or something. You need that you side keep, pod. Keep things you spicy. Keep, are you gonna you're gonna like leave me for a younger, newer podcast? <laughs> if you wanted to start like a metal pod with somebody, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold it against you. We got to experiment. Um, fine, fine. I will. I will start a weird Al pod. Yeah, I well, I'll fine. I'll I'll poach Jess to do a Weird Al pod. How you like that, Danny? We're in like in. a weird thruple or thruple now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming for Mister comes for your girl to steal, steal her. And talk about a uh, talk about Weird Al. That's how I get all my ladies. Um, oh yeah, let me let me <laughs> let me give you my Weird Al mixtape and. Um, oh man. I don't um, know. Let's, the, the second thing I was going to say is I guess I guess that story was slightly better this time. <laughs> <laughs> Just barely. I'm not sure it's the uh, it's the the party anecdote you think it is. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know it's I don't know if it's the knee slapper. I mean I'll tell you this it it was more coherent. I understood the yes, story yes, this time. Certainly no I didn't I wasn't tracking the hotel and the ice last time for sure. No I definitely don't remember anything about a hotel and ice or anything. <laughs> But uh, yeah. I did. Funny, I huh? did. I did have a. Um, I did get a visual of all the access roads this yeah. time. So, so appreciate that great detail. Lots more access um, roads in this version. Lot, <laughs> yeah. Um, here we have a John. I think you left us a voicemail. Hi Andrew, this okay. is John. I'm calling about this podcast. I noticed that an hour and twenty nine minutes in, you referred to a band called the Gingies. Never heard of them. Are they anything like the dinghy? Jeez. Mac Pop for life. 
John, I don't remember you leaving that voicemail, um, <laughs> but it, you know, I'm just curious. I mean, brother, I, <laughs> I really, I thought I would live this down by this episode, but it's never gonna. <laughs> Still in my head, every time somebody says it, I, I say it the wrong way in my brain. So I'm just never gonna say the name of the band. Well, I mean, it had to it had to come up since uh, both the, the, too many Dannys uh, talking too many about dinges. the too many too many dingies. Speaking of, hey dudes, it's uh, Daniel from Kansas again. Um, listen to the new episode today. Obviously, I don't know why else I'd be calling. This is dumb. Um, Anyway, uh, yes, I definitely think you guys should do Showbread next. Um, I was super into um, uh, Mr. Nihilism is Not Practical, that album. Listen to that a lot my sophomore and I think probably junior years of high school. Um, Josh Dyes is like a super interesting person to me. The times I've heard him interviewed on like, uh, the labeled podcast and stuff like that. Um, so I think if you guys managed to hashtag get them on the pod, mm-hmm. it would be really interesting to hear the conversation between the three of you. Um, but yeah, super interesting band. I, I haven't done a lot of deep dive into the rest of their catalog, but there are some other really cool albums. Um, so I just want to say I fully back that. Um, and, uh, hope that you guys do that. And then, uh, as far as five iron stuff, I guess since we're talking about like, first time seeing Five Iron Live or, or anything like that. I've only seen Five Iron Live one time, and that was um, Valentine's Day in 2014 in Lawrence, Kansas, at the Granada um, with House of Heroes and some weird local band. Um, but uh, it was it was a great show. It was a weird set list. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but um, they did not play a lot of classic songs like Flower Song. They didn't play Every New Day. Um, actually... The last song they played. What? They didn't play every new day? Sounds suspicious. That sounds questionable. Uh, Reese, get at us. Uh, when was their last, when was their time that they didn't end a set with every new day? Was, Wait, is this um, the Kansas the show? Troubles, which is- no, this was, this is uh, 2014. So. Okay, okay, never mind. Um, also one of my favorite ones on the album. Um, but, I think Reese said that was like their debut time playing it live, which was really cool and special. Um, but yeah. Oh, and the other weird thing was that uh, Dennis wasn't there. There was like a big snowstorm in New Jersey or something. He couldn't fly out. So I didn't know that going into it. Um, I had seen, I think on Facebook or something, they put a call out for like, a, they needed a trombone. Um, I had no idea why. Um, but they had the trombone sitting there on stage in, in Dennis's spot the whole night. And then when they, when it came time for handbook, um, I was, when it came time for that solo, I, I didn't know what they were going to do. And Reese went over and picked it up and I was like, did he somehow learn this trombone solo? And no, he just like blew as hard as he could into it. And it was really funny. He did that another time and just like did a really long note that was like, Ricola. And then, like, immediately, without pause, like, somebody threw up a little Ricola candy on stage. He was like, who just has one of these? Uh, it was it was good. There was there was more funny stuff, like saying Chewbacca instead of themselves in American Kryptonite. Uh, all sorts of funny stuff. Was- um, ran out of that, ran out of that time. But, uh... <laughs> He's saying Chewbacca instead of what? Um, and... 
something about American kryptonite. Some, something in, in American kryptonite was replaced with Chewbacca, which I'm here for, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, whatever it was. Oh, man. That's a great um, anecdote. Um, yeah. And Daniel, I hope you, I hope you found uh, that the races Kansas information enlightening. <laughs> uh, we got our boy, Casey Shock. Hey, dudes, it's your boy, Casey Johnny Two Grand Shock. And I got to <laughs> say, I have been looking forward to this album review ever since I found out about you guys because I love this album. <laughs> it didn't have a million plots. And um, I feel like there, I have a lot about this one that I've been wanting to talk about. But basically, when the whole Kickstarter thing happened in 2011, okay. I remember my friend, who was also a fan of them growing up, showed me. And I was, like, so stoked off Dark and Stormy Night. And then I was like, okay, okay. Like, I'm cemented back in. And then <laughs> we went and saw them at this, uh, it, was, it was called Joshua Fest. It was kind of this weird thing. But my friend was playing in his ska band in that. And so he got me in. And then I got to see them live for the first time in 2012. And that was, like, the major cementing of me being, like, back into them. <laughs> but uh, I remember with the Kickstarter thing, you got the album early. Um, but then I also got the vinyl and that was the first vinyl I got in my collection. And now I have quantity engine and Boogaloo all of vinyl, which are my top three albums in order of those. And for, uh, engine itself, my top three is someone else's problem against the sea of troubles is two and then our xenophobia is three. And it's hard to pin it down to that for me because I love this album. Like you guys, like this album, I love every song on this album. So it's super hard for me. But I think one little funny note that probably nobody else has ever pointed out before is that about two weeks before the early release of this album, I was so ready for this album that I was just looking any possible way I could get any hints, any leaks. And then I found out that there was a weird glitch on Amazon Music of everything. No, of everything it could have been on is Amazon Music. And there was 30-second previews of every single song on the album and it was just like, you know, where it's just a little random spot in the middle of the song. It wasn't even aimed at a chorus or anything. And so I, like, memorized the little 30-second bits of every song. So when I finally heard the actual album, it was, like, even better to me because it was like, oh, there's the bit and this is how it all flows together and this is how it all combines. <laughs> and actually, when the early release dropped, I was like, oh. And then I downloaded it immediately, and I had a math final that I was supposed to take online, and I just failed it because I just <laughs> I just pushed it off and just was listening to the album because I just wanted to focus completely in. But uh, don't worry, if Reese, if you're listening for some reason, or you guys are listening, I did get my BA after, so we're in the clear. But anyway, love you guys. Magpie for life. Thanks, Vinny. I love, I love that. I, I had not heard that. Uh, I'm, and I'm curious if there are any other listeners about who remember that that Amazon glitch. I feel like that is kind of a fail on yeah on that on the part. Like, I mean, I guess it doesn't totally surprise me in a sense. Like, uh, that 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 kind of thing could could happen. Stuff gets leaked all the time, and yeah. Um, but I'm also John, you know this. Uh, a lot, you know. Everybody in my family knows this. How I, I'm not a spoilery guy. I don't like spoilers. Right. I don't. I if I if someone told me that like something was leaked online for an album that I was psyched about, I don't know. I 
I just yeah. don't, I just don't, I just don't get down with that. I'd like, I want it to, I want the experience the way the band wants me to have the experience. Right. Like, especially if it's only like some clips of the song, I definitely would be like, forget it. No, I'm, that's not the context in which right. I would like to experience this album that people have been waiting for, for 10 years. Like I yeah. would not, I would, I would have like, it would have le- probably left me confused. I'd right. be like, because there's no context to where it is in the song or anything. But I, yeah. so what, if you, if, if you had seen that 2013, John, would you have listened to those clips? You know, I think when it comes to like stories, I am very spoiler reverse. I don't like to know where things are going, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have resisted hearing chunks of songs. Mm-hmm. I certainly mm-hmm. understand where you're coming from and mm-hmm. it would probably be, anticlimactic after all that time just hear little clips but i feel like i would be too tempted to not to not give a little listen so fascinating i want i want to know other people's thoughts on this what if if they a if they remember it and b um where they stand on that kind of that kind of thing um i don't um, know i i just you, i'm, I'm spoiler like, if you like having the context hit us with the hashtag pro context if you don't and you just want to hear the <laughs> clips hit us with con context hashtag yeah, so here's some more. Uh, speaking of uh, throwing support behind something, uh, on our Reese and Scott episode, talking about employee, uh, employee of the century, Danny Stairs. Hey guys, your boy Danny Stairs calling to say I support the Reese lyrics on Employee of the Century. And I have Micah fucking shreds on it. So I want to hear this song, Mad Time for Life. All right, so we got at least one right. person. In addition to us saying we got to get that employee of the century and Micah needs to shred. Yeah. I'd have to see if we can, I don't know, see if we can talk to him about it. Maybe talk to Micah, see what hmm. he, what he can say about that shredding. I don't Interesting know. Interesting idea. Yeah. Just, uh, just, uh, just a thing. Just a thing. All right, John, we, I think we've uh, got to save some of these voicemails for another time. Yep. Um, but not before we have another shout out. That's right. If you are interested in joining us, supporting us over at the Patreon, we are doing lots of cool stuff over there these days. And uh, our newest Patreon punk is getting to see some of that. Our boy, David Robledo. <laughs> Thank you, David. David has uh, been with us uh, for a long time. Certainly a season one contributor. And uh, yep, yep, he's been with us. I feel like he's one of the very early, I think so. Uh, very early Magpod listeners. So we appreciate, yeah. we appreciate uh, all the Magpod supporters, old and new. But um, you know, it's nice to it's nice to see even like the OG listeners jumping on to the the Patreon this this season. It's uh, it's pretty sure. great. Yeah, we, uh, we just recently we threw up a the video version of that Reese interview, the one that we did. We released. Um, I don't know. Sometime in sometime in May. Does that sound right. Sure. What is time? That sounds right. <laughs> what is what is time? No matter. What is matter? Never mind. I think that's. I think that that's. Uh, I think from the very first episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, it's like from the Tracy yeah. Ullman sketches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is ma- what is time? No matter. What is matter? What I don't remember. Whatever. That's uh, hilarious. It's right. <laughs> so good. So um, good. Frosty chocolate uh, milkshakes. Um, <laughs> yes, we we appreciate your support, David. If you'd like to check out that video, oh, did you have more to say about the video? Nope. Okay. If you want to <laughs> check out that video and other goodies, you can head over to patreon.com/slash/magnifiedpod. Do it. 
So let's, I think we should move into our conversation with Jeremy S.H. Griffith. What say you, John? I support it. All right, let's do it. Let's get to it. John, today on Magnify Pod, we have Jeremy S.H. Griffith, a producer, engineer, and composer uh, who has worked with artists like Johnny Swim, Norma Jean, Under Oath, and of course, Five Iron Frenzy, as well as uh, he's done work in TV and film. Jeremy, welcome to Magnify Pod. Thank you for welcoming me. That was <laughs> that was good. That was a good start. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm weird. I'm really weird. I probably have issues. And, Dude, uh, you know we our pod our pod uh, <laughs> easily goes off the rails all the time. So yeah, it's it's good. It's gonna, a good vibe. I, it's a good vibe to have. I'm gonna take my hat off and maybe just wear a mask just for my sake. Just. You know, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> whatever is helpful. That's for uh, sounds sound worse. Sounds worse. Sounds, no. worse. sounds like you're wearing a mask. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's that. I want. I want to ask you about that because uh, you're currently working with Five Iron and have been working with Reese in the studio, uh, doing his vocals. And he, for a moment, maybe thought he had COVID and was recording vocals with a mask on what was what was that situation like have you have you ever had to record someone like that before no but i was really pissed at him so he i haven't seen him in a really long time and he gets out of his uh, convertible camaro did he tell you about the convertible camaro <laughs> no no so he rented Rod. i think he rented a like what do they call it like a compact or a, maybe you know like the small car and when he got there they only had a convertible camaro which i think is just Perfect Reese. Yeah, it's very Phantom Mullet. Yeah, it's, it's very just, Phantom Mullet. It's very on brand. It's just him pulling up in a convertible com, uh, Camaro. I was just like, yep. <laughs> that tracks. This is great. <laughs> but he gets out. Of course, we, you know, we can't, we can't even get close to each other because I'm freaked out because I'm in Florida because everyone here, you know, it's a hoax. Yeah, right. Total right, hoax. Right. Um, 200,000 dead. Not, you know, not real. But, um, he comes up with the mask and then we come inside. He wants to see the studio and I'm really proud of my studio. I just finished building it like, I don't know, eight months ago or something. And it's, it's a really cool room. So we're walking around. He slips his mask down. I slip my mask down. I'm excited to see him. Everything's glory because you know, he's a medical professional, right? So, you know, you automatically just assume that, uh, he knows what to do and he comes in and then, uh, he just <laughs> he goes, uh, uh, Jeremy. Just so you know, uh, I have an us- upper respiratory thing going on, and I'm like, "What did you say to me?" <laughs> and everything, and he was just like, "Yeah, I'm waiting on my test for COVID." <laughs> oh boy! And I was just like, "That is a spot-on Reese Roper impression if I've ever That's heard." That's pretty one. good. Yeah, I don't know if I've heard one. I like it. I'm really proud of it. Um, <laughs> I feel like I can get in the zone with a Reese impression if I say my own name, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, there you that go. That sounds pretty good. There you go. He, there you go. <laughs> but I was honestly really worried about it because yeah. we we've been so careful. Me, me and my little family, yeah, yeah, have not left the house barely at all since February. And yeah. of course, the first guy I have in the studio who I really care about, <laughs> yeah, who's yeah. Reese, comes in, but he didn't have COVID, and I was really thankful, and it made it all the better. But 
It wasn't funny. He he was trying to make it a little funny because then he felt stupid. I think. Yeah. And then I was like, "It's not working, man. Just let's just record." So I made him wear a mask the entire time. I wore a mask the entire time, and uh, the vocals turned out great. It was just really funny to look at him singing <laughs> because he's really animated, and his mouth would be like, blah, blah, yeah, and the like, right. and the mask is like flexing, like. Wah, wah. <laughs> so did did the mic go like between his mouth and the mask? How did that work? No, no, those it just sounded okay with it over it. Yeah, it sounded good. Okay. It, he was using like a an actual medical mask and um there, well, it seemed like a medical mask, but it was it was like a one layer mask, so it's not going to block it so much that you can't get a good sure. quality. Okay. It wasn't like when he finally said, "Hey, I'm negative with COVID," that he took it off and it was so different. Sure, okay. <laughs> Interesting. So, I think we lucked out there, but uh total uh, Reese move there. Total Reese. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> fascinating. So, um the the mask didn't inhibit any performances. Did the fireball? The fireball really did. We heard a little bit about this. <laughs> we heard some some about the uh, the fireball. I think he needed the fireball because he knew I was on eleven about the COVID, <laughs> and that I was I was just so nervous about it. Just because yeah, I don't want to get anybody sick. But then that dude like. He just, you know, Jerbium's just going to get a little more fireball. Um, <laughs> he's just not feeling it. Let me get some more fireball. And and, and to his credit, you know, I, I, a lot of vocalists I work with, you know, need a little little drink to feel better. Cause singing Liquid is, courage. Well, singing is just so exposing, you know, especially in a studio with a nice mic and you got headphones on and you're just like, yeah. crap, yeah. crap. Um, every time he would sing, he'd go, ah, oh, Jeremy. <laughs> And I'd be like, that was really good. Hey, uh, are you sure? That's and I'm it. like, I'm in charge. <laughs> they all yeah, seem so. to be like saying glowing things about how his vocal tracks have, have come out so far. Do you, you agree with that? <laughs> very much. I, uh, I honestly was very proud of him, you know, and you have to realize yeah. too, they hadn't been a band for a really long time when we did the last record. So he wasn't, None of them were like seasoned again. Yeah. Right. And, and the difference between a singer who never tours and a singer who tours is a great is is great. Like you get a, a touring singer in here and they just will knock it out. And I just felt like Reese was was really prepared. He was really passionate about the lyrics and you could tell. Mhm. And you know, before I think he was passionate about lyrics, but I think he was also just like, "Oh, oh, oh, I haven't sang in a long time." At this yeah level like because there's so much you know you're just like pounding away yeah so he did great did, i was really pumped um so going back to you know 2011-12 when the band had announced that they were going to they were going to get back together and start working on a new record and then when they got connected with you um did you feel any sense of responsibility or pressure going into the record um, knowing that, you know, that this was a record that most 500 fans never thought that they would get? Or was there a, like a sense of freedom for you in the band knowing that like you could kind of do what you wanted, but also keeping in mind at the time it was 
Kickstarter's most successful campaign ever. So <laughs> like, what was the, where, what was your sort of, what was going on in your, you know, headspace at that, at that time? Well, we can talk about the Kickstarter first, you know, when they, when we talked about doing it, the Kickstarter wasn't a thing yet. It was just hmm. like, Hey, Hey Jerry, how much would it cost to make an album? And I'm like, hey, I don't know. How about X? And they're like, great. And then, you know, the Kickstarter thing happened and I, I remember being in New York because Dennis and I, we shared a space um, in New York City in Soho because Dennis has a music company, Singing Serpent. It's an amazing right. thing. And I kind of came in and we kind of partnered up and figured out a like a co coex what is that? What's the right word? We coexisted in that studio. And uh, Dennis had always kind of like knocked around at like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. Like, you know, Five Iron, we've, we, you know, we've actually mentioned like maybe, you know, doing a song or something. You know, would you be into it? Because... Dennis was seeing what I was doing day in and day out, bands, you know, mixing, whatever. And I think he was getting pumped about it. And I had recorded another band Dennis was in called Rome. Um, they came to my house in Atlanta before I was in New York. Um, and me and Dennis hit it off. I just really liked him. And so um, if I'm being truthful, it wasn't like I grew up in the Five Iron wheelhouse sure. when I was younger. I always knew about Five Iron. I knew about all the, you know, it's what's funny. I'm about to say something that people will probably get mad at me about, but I knew about the tooth and nail like mm-hmm. scene and Five Iron, even though they weren't tooth and nail, right? They weren't. Right. No. Right. It, it felt like they were a part of that scene. So you always heard about Five Iron. And so I guess when, when it was time to make the record, there was so much work to be done because there's so many members of the band that I didn't, I didn't really feel as much like pressure because they were, they're just, they're just really nice people. So it wasn't like they came in like, hold on, don't ruin this for us. It wasn't like that. It was just like, it felt really great. Like them coming up to the studio and just being like, I can't believe it. We're getting to record. This is awesome. You know? And they were like happy Mm -hmm. to see each other. And, Mm -hmm. So I honestly didn't feel a lot of pressure and maybe that's my ignorance or my arrogance. You had to be a little arrogant to do this. So I honestly was just having a lot of fun with it, but it was just so much work. I don't think there was time to even worry about the, you know, the, the, I don't know, the, the repercussions of making a terrible record, but we did do, we did do one song first just to kind of like, test it out and they had a lot of fun and they enjoyed it so we decided to do the whole thing so i honestly have to give them the credit for making it pretty chill mm. Mm. i think most other bands would make it unchill like andy came in first and you know andy mm-hmm. and it was like one of the funniest sessions of my life <laughs> yeah he was so gross and <laughs> so funny like he was so yeah. good and he was such a good drummer yeah yeah he and is we like Scott, Scott, I had to say Scott was, the, you know, he was the co-producer with me because mm-hmm. he's just, he's a perfectionist and he's really good. And so we were in there really getting picky with Andy and he just took it in, in stride and it didn't like bother him. He was just like, cool, man. And I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. Like you know, most drummers would be like, so I'll play it, man. Right. <laughs> Are yeah. you playing drums? This is my beat. You know, I don't know. <laughs> It's that's, funny that that's, you, a, that's a voice I'm going to use tonight. That's a good drummer <laughs> voice. I like it. Um, this is my beat, man. But I hope that answers your question. It, it was a, 
I didn't feel a ton of pressure about it, but I was really uh, honored to do it because I knew it was a big deal. And especially after the Kickstarter, I was just like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Andy because I think one thing that we all agree on is, well, A, we just love the sound of the record. I think both Andrew and I and the band are, are big, big fans of how it came out. But B, I think the drums sound better than Andy's ever sounded on a five iron record. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that process. Was there something in particular with how you approached the drums specifically or how you approached it with Andy that you think kind of made the difference with the record? Here's my opinion. If the drummer's good, I can set up whatever, and you're going to be like, what a great drummer. (laughs) A shitty drummer on the best mic setup of all time, you'll be like, God, he sucks. Right. Are you hearing this? Andy is really good, and he he came prepared. Scott came prepared, and he just – he has a really good feel. And so I did my normal thing. You know, it's it's elaborate, I guess, to someone who doesn't know how to record drums on the regular, but – it felt pretty normal and they just came out really good because he plays really good yeah. and he hits really hard and he, he's funny and he yeah. keeps the morale high while you're drumming. So I don't think there were any secrets. I mean, mixing it, I did my thing and made it slam because he slams. So yeah. it worked out. So does that answer your question? Yeah. 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 So a question I'd like to ask producers is, um, how collaborative they typically are with the band. Like, do you come in with a vision for the recording or is it sort of like you get together with the band or it's kind of an in the moment kind of assessment of how things should be? Well, you, you have to take each project differently. You can't, I think when I first started recording, I definitely, I I don't think I was good enough to do it any other way than one way to make it sound decent. And so I would force these bands and artists to do it my way so it would come out a certain way. And as you move on in your recording world, you start to learn more about the psychology of it and understanding that making the record just isn't about sonics. You know, It's about giving these people a chance to do their art on a level that they like. You know, Because I'm going to make hundreds and hundreds of records. They might only get to make one or two. You know, you have to collaborate with them. You have to understand where they're coming from. Now, that being said, you know, not every band knows what's best, but you still try to have a conversation about it, and you do your best to compromise. If you feel strongly about something, you stick to it. If it creates yeah. an argument so bad <laughs> that you're fighting, you need to reassess, and you need to you, – you, me, usually, I go with what the band wants unless I just think it's – the worst thing ever, which has happened a lot. Mm-hmm. But I really, especially these days and the older I get, I want to get into their heads as best I can and just collaborate. You know, I don't want to have some predestined idea because that's my idea. I want to know their idea. And I want to, I want to feed off each other a lot. And, you know, with that record, um, Scott, Scott just had it so ready to go. Yeah. And he's so good, and he's already really good at recording, so I had to take what they did and just make it, you know, insane sounding. And, you know, I gave them I gave them my thoughts all throughout. You know, almost every take, I'm giving them a thought. I don't know. <laughs> or, that was great, you know, or we insult each other. If it's sunny, you just insult each other. 
But um, yeah, it, it, I hope it's always a collaborative thing and I hope my clients always feel like I did a true collaboration rather than a, like a dictatorship, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. Do you think yeah. musicians make better producers? I think music lovers make the best producers, but they need to have a, mu a, a level of mu mu uh, musicality to be able to handle the musicians. Like, I don't quite understand Rick, Rick Rubin because I've heard that he can't play an instrument. Right. But the guy just knows exactly what everybody wants to hear somehow. I guess he's just a true music lover. I think, uh, I think it helps to be a musician, but I don't, I don't think it's the end. Especially these days with computers and, you know, but, but young people are just getting really good at, like, making sounds without knowing, you know, music. So, mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's one thing that the band has talked about is your ability. I mean, so on the record, you do background vocals, guitar, percussion. Like, the fact that you were able to do those things, I think, helped them feel more confident about the process. So, how did that... How did that work on this record and how does that work for you generally? Do you jump in when you see an opportunity to? Or are they coming to you asking you to contribute to certain elements? Well, with a band, I need them to ask me to do it. Or if okay. I'll go, hey, I got an idea. Can I, can I just try it real quick? And if they're like, no, just show me. Then I'm like, okay, do this. But 90% of the time they're like, yeah, take it. And I, and I do it and they're like, man, I loved it. Keep it. Hmm. Stuff like that. And then it becomes once again, a collaborative thing where I'm like, dude, I have an idea. Can I show you? And they're like, sure. And they hand it over. But most, most of my clients now aren't bands anymore. Yeah. It's a lot of solo artists and sure. they'll come to me, say one per like next week, I'm going to work with a guy named old sea brigade. Who's been quarantining. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. And, uh, we'll do everything together. It'll be full band sound, but we'll, we'll do everything. Just he and I, so, um, yeah, you know, just, it just depends on the band and what they want. I've definitely worked with bands that, that don't want me to contribute one thing whatsoever. They just want me to record. Sure. And that's hard, yeah. but yeah, I bet. I mean that, yeah. One thing that they, that I think Scott specifically called out when we talked to them that might've been different about this producing process versus other times they've recorded is, um, he said that you, he felt like you captured, their energy playing live on a record in a way that he felt like maybe they weren't ever captured before. So like, what does that, you know, did you, how did you approach this record? Did you have a vision for what five iron should sound like today? Did you talk about it with them or was it just kind of an organic, this was your recording process and it came out this with this energy in it. I definitely listened to those demos he made. Yeah. And you can hear the energy going down. Yeah. And then you imagine Reese doing what he does and then all the horn players playing and Andy. And then I watched some live videos and I was just like, okay, they're nuts. This is great. Like <laughs> he's in football pads. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? So I did a little bit of homework, but I knew I just wanted it to slam. I wanted it to yeah. hit hard and I wanted it to be really fun. Um, and just I just wanted to sound great because I love really great sounding rock records. So I have those records that I adore. And so in, in a sense, I'm trying to rip those off. But in that process, it comes out, you know, sounding the way it sounds because that's how I hear music. So it's pretty cool. You know, they're just a great band. Yeah, this this record, we we have gushed over how great it sounds. And I think objectively 
it is their best sounding easily their best sounding record and um when we heard that they were going to be working with you again we were like fuck yes <laughs> because i was just like because we both love engine so much and hearing the band talk about how excited they are about the songs and how great things are coming out and just some of the lyrics that reese has been you know dropping i'm just like i can't i just i get more and more uh psyched you know um, i've heard real quick i i've gotten more uh i guess compliments about this record and that's really surprising i about engine yes like yeah. just i it's weird that people have been like man i was jamming that five iron record man it's just like kind of nuts and i'm just like <laughs> dang i needed to hear this like because i don't i don't usually hear much except from the band mm-hmm. dude we love it oh it's great sounds great blah 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 you know but you don't ever get a lot of like real world feedback where people are just like, I love, I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From the opening, cool. the opening few seconds of the record. It's just perfect. It's just great. Was all it the, like uh, was it across the board? Like for five iron fans did everyone love it. I think it was pretty universally beloved. I mean, it got great reviews. I would say the only thing that we seem to have seen is like, people who might have been like, I miss the old Five Iron, where it was yeah, very third wave ska and, and funnier and stuff. But of course. I I don't know. I I I was pleased that they went in a different direction. <laughs> well, everyone right. grows up and, you know, everyone wants to do something different no matter how many years it's been. Right. And yeah. And it's still them. I you can go back through the old records and be like, well, that's them. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. cool. I mean that's one thing that we've talked a lot about is like they say that, or at least some of them say those first few albums, they like can't listen to because all they hear is, you know, the imperfections. And for us, like we love those albums deeply because they meant so much to us growing up, even though like, as we were saying, kind of objectively, the newer stuff is better, but it's like those records from early on are kind of unimpeachable for me. So I don't know. I I see it as a trajectory. I have those records too that I go back and listen to and I'm just like, man, it's perfect. But technically it sucks. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I'm just, op- Operation Ivy's record energy sounds like trash, but it's an iconic, perfect record. Totally. You know? So I, it's, I, it's, it's like, it's one of those things that like you, that nostalgia and, and what the album means sort of wins the day. I grew up on death metal. Like, okay. Yeah. B- brutal death metal and i still will go back to it and listen to it and be like man this just rips dude like <laughs> i mean i don't really do it a lot anymore but i still i listen to those records and i still feel the way i did then truthfully yeah. and so who were your uh who are your guys <laughs> my favorite band was death if you knew okay. death yeah um like their florida band i love death i love this band called cynic that was like fusion jazz and death metal uh Mm, I was into yeah. I was into like Sepultura and then sure. I got really out of Sepultura when it became what it became and then uh, then I started graduating into like Helmet. I think I was like most people. Yeah. You know, Helmet rules. Stuff. And then I got into Weezer and Weezer's amazing and then blah yeah. blah blah. You know, next thing you know, I'm <laughs> listening to classical music only. So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so. Um, so so going back to this new record that you're working on and sort of the evolution of five iron Reese said uh, that this album 
might be the most ska and punk record they've ever done. And they've talked about how there's, there's going to be some more almost two tone style ska, not so much third wave ska. Would you do, you, is it, is, so do, would you agree with Reese's assessment that this is like the most ska or punk record that, that they've done? I think so. I mean, you'll have to explain to me the different genres of ska. Um, to me, this has just like a lot of it just has like a slow jam ska thing going on. Yes. Yeah. And it's just letting Reese just vomit his awesome lyrics. Like, dude, oh, I was get, like, we were doing the vocals and like, I would stop him and be like, shit, man, that is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Man. He'd be like, Jeremy, you like it for real? I'm thinking about deleting it. You know? And it, oh, it, I, I was telling Scott and the guys, I was like, I, I, I really like this. Like I, I'm enjoying this a lot listening to these and, um, I, yeah, he might be right. It might be the most punk rock in the fact that it's just not really going by any guidelines other than their own. Mm-hmm. So Hell yeah. I, I think it's really cool. I, I think they can do whatever they want. Just do what you want, guys. <laughs> Kills. Was there, was there an, a particular approach that you or the band wanted to take this time around compared to last time? Or again, was it just kind of what happened organically? Well, I didn't have as much uh, to do with the beginning because, you know, we tried to team up a bunch where I was going to come to Denver and do all this stuff and then pandemic and, yeah. We had a we had a long conversation and I was like, you know, Scott, you're you're great at recording, like why don't you guys get going? Like let's 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 work on this and so they just kind of went with it and and were demoing back and forth for years, I think, before I was ever involved again. Um, yeah. And they just recently kind of pulled me back in. Scott was sending me little tidbits here and there and be like, "What's better?" And I'd be like, "Uh, number 2." I don't know, you know, and mm-hmm. Stuff like that, so I don't, I can't say that I was a part of the the, the vision on this one, um, but I'm going to help them finish it up, make it slam. Yeah. So. Does it feel Does it feel different recording wise than it did last time? You mean sonically? Yeah, just in terms of uh, of your approach or or how the songs are coming together. I think it's like cooler. That. I think it sounds yeah. cooler. It's like actually cooler somehow the ska uh-huh. feels really cool to me like i'm listening to it and i'm like Man, this is awesome like yeah and that's and not a world that i'm from that's not a world yeah. i'm from so. right everything that we're hearing about this album just gets us more and more excited each time because i feel like universally the band is just like yeah this is the best stuff we've ever done so and let me preface it too that i was just so excited to be back in the fold again you know like mm-hmm. it, anytime you have a return client you should be grateful and excited because Mm. it just doesn't happen all the time sure i think they're very loyal you know they were they were uh very loyal to their first guy what's his name uh masaki lu yeah masaki yeah and they were they were so loyal they loved him like yeah and i just appreciate that about them you know i mean they don't they want to keep it kind of in the family so um I think it's just really cool. And I think lyrically it's next level. Yeah. And I love what he has to say and I agree with him. Yeah. I, that's, <laughs> that's something we talk about a lot is like Reese's 
lyrics and his mindset are, are one that kind of the world needs right now. <laughs> so yeah, we really need it. You know, thing, things are really bad and, you know, reading, re, uh, reading and hearing him sing these lyrics, you know, not necessarily that it gives you hope, but it makes you feel okay about, you know, wanting to tear the walls down and yeah, do the right thing for people. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's what he's saying and it's, it's really powerful and I'm, I'm proud of him for doing it. I know he's always done that, but I think it's cool. So, yeah, totally. Is there, um, is there a song from the engine sessions either that made it on the proper LP or that went on the EP that you're proudest of, or that you feel particularly memorable for you? I loved mixing so far. Mm. Um, because of that freaking oh, hold on I gotta play it <laughs> so yeah. cool Ugh, I love it sounds great but you know what I'm talking about this snare roll straight into it it's just uh, kind of yeah. like yeah. yeah this is so badass <laughs> yeah it is I know when I got done with that mix um, I I have one colleague in recording his name's Bo Burchell. Do you guys know who Bo Burchell is? He's in that band Sayosin. Oh, okay. sure. And he, he's a great producer, mixer. He is my like number one. Let me bounce this off of you. And I bounce he bounces everything off me. And I remember I was like, hey man, I need you to listen to this. And we can broadcast in real time. So I don't have to send him a file or anything. He can just listen. And uh I played it for him. He was like, shit, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is all how did you do the horns like you know like <laughs> and it just made me really proud and i was like oh crap this thing is gonna rip but every time i come back to the record that's the first song i play like out of the yeah. gate and then i love battle dancing unicorns um because it's so ridiculous and <laughs> you know there's I'm so curious many about songs. that that song in the studio because we talked at length about that with scott and reese and uh scott likes the music of course and uh there was there i'm just curious like when reese brought that song in and started recording the vocals uh were you like all right cool dude or were you immediately like just on board or was there i'm just i just i'm just fascinated around how that song went down and everybody's reaction to it well, I think they were arguing about it way before I ever had anything to do with it. I mean, if I don't remember it all that well because it's it's been a long time, but I feel like I remember Scott being like, you know, the lyrics is, is yes, I think that's true. <laughs> Reese and everything, and I remember Reese just for the like, listeners, uh, Jeremy is rolling his eyes a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know Reese is like, uh, Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> He explained it to me after he told me the title, and I was like, yo, this title is uh, it's next level. <laughs> you know, and he's just like, let me lay it out for you, bud. You know, and he told me about it, and I, I thought it was really great. And Scott was – I think if I remember right, Scott just kind of gave up. <laughs> it was just like, just do it. And, like, we did it, and it ended up being really great and um, really funny. And I feel like I remember Reese saying, like, I'm telling you the Five Iron fans are going to love this one. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I love this one. You know, and, 
Yeah. yeah, there there seems to be another potential song in that style of lyrics that he read to us. Uh, I think it was Employee of the Century. I don't, oh. I don't know if you've you've heard if he's uh, passed that Let me, on to you. God. There's so many songs. Every Five Iron Session, there's so many songs that I have to like <laughs> remind myself of what is what. We got 11 done in this last vocal session. Wow. Post-COVID. Oh, my God. Yeah. Post-COVID. Right, right. So... Let me look through them real quick. Let me just see. This is the one about like this is about your mom or something, right? <laughs> and there's a I think there's and there's a Corey Hart reference, the sunglasses at night. Oh yeah. Oh man. He is the king. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I you know I'm I'm inspired. I need to work on my Reese Roper impression uh, going I, forward. I'm surprised because... hearing you that we've never tried to bust this out, but now I, I know, like, right? We wouldn't be able you to. You gotta do it as find well. your trigger word. Mine is my name. Yeah, yeah the, the hard R, I think is yeah. That's definitely part of that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I was at Starbucks this morning and uh, <laughs> I was getting your bland roast, and I, that didn't work. How would he do that? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, this, is, I, this is good. This is good I content. I don't know. Um, they were, dude. Honestly, dudes, they were also. I feel like everything we did on this round was so politically driven. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you love to hear it. Mm. Yes. Yeah, like I was just getting so pumped. Yeah. Because I think our country is so jacked. Um, <laughs> yep. X. Yeah, I mean, there's just too much here. I mean, the here's a funny thing about Reese. Every <laughs> every single song, I'd be like, "All right, Reese, send me the lyrics." And every time he sent it to me in chat, it was called Blank Two. <laughs> no matter what, he'd be like, and then he started going, "All right, Jir, uh, here's the next song. This one's called Blank Two. <laughs> and like, and they were because he uses uh, Pages that app Pages. Right, mm-hmm. and he would never rename it. So every single lyric sheet <laughs> is blank too. That's funny, isn't that so, Reese? Oh, that seems so Reese. hard to keep track of, but you know. Well, I had to put them in their song folder, so I know. But right. that makes me think of this one time. Let me tell you this: this is my first experience with that band live. Was at the Gramercy Theater in New York mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I lived there. You guys are going to love this. And it's not super funny, but to me, it just like kind of topped it off. So I went there and it was great to see them. I think it was sold out. It was really cool. And they started playing and um, they were great. It was awesome. And then about two songs in, he was like, okay, guys, there's someone here tonight we really care about. This next song goes out to Jeremy, whatever. And so they dedicate a song to me. Great. The dude goes on to dedicate every single song to me. <laughs> every single song, he'd be like, hey, this song's about you know unicorns, and it's for Jeremy. <laughs> every yeah, single yeah. song. I've never been through anything like that in my life. Like That's that awesome. guy's is very unique. So I anyway. I love I love Reese's commitment to a bit. So <laughs> oh, he won't let just... off. <laughs> he won't let I, off. I appreciate very, that. Very funny. Anyway, sorry. Moving on. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, so I want to go back in time a little bit. Um, you know, you, you you're an artist 
in your own right in, in that you were in a band um moments in grace oh no um, <laughs> put my hat on for this <laughs> no so I'm i want to smell now oh gosh well you're you're fine we are we are safe from the aromas okay cool um i was curious if like was there a shift for you when it came to deciding to pursue producing and engineering versus being in a band did you feel like um that that was something that you're like oh I've, this was fun or i'm just more interested in the in the producing side or what was that how did that, well, that play out that band was extremely miserable like it was the classic case of major label finds small band in a little town takes them rips them to shreds gives them haircuts mm-hmm. makes them lose mm-hmm. 100 pounds and it doesn't go well it's mm. not it it, it it was a good experience and on the same hand the worst experience of my life it's weird oh that that i'm still like i've had people say like just get over it you know and everything but it was like it was a really damaging time but the best part about it was was getting to meet all the the artists and the bands and everything not every band was cool or anything but i i was recording before that i I went to, I'm much older, I think. Uh, well, I mean, I'm in my 40s, but I was recording when you couldn't get a small system and just record. So my first recording system is actually right over there. I would show it to you if I could, but it's a a four-track reel-to-reel that was in my parents' garage. I don't know mm-hmm. why they had a four-track reel-to-reel. I think, you know, back in the day, they had there were a lot of albums on reel-to-reel, so people had yeah. some of that equipment, but why right. did they have a four-track that you could overdub. What is that about? That's weird, right? So I was recording on that, on that kind of stuff. And then, um, kind of got into some bigger systems. So early on, like in high school, even I was like, I'm very interested in how you make an album. And then when I did my band, I always felt like I was a really great performer and a singer and I could write songs and everything, but I just wasn't, I wasn't a front man. I didn't want to get out there and make people clap or convince them that I was a star. I just didn't, I didn't have that. And I didn't want it. I, I, six months into it, I didn't want it. Like if only, if anything, I was afraid of it. And I was just like, nah, nope, nope, nope. Like I I can't, I can't cut it. You know, I, I played college football before I was in a band and I went from like huge guy to scrawny guy with a shitty haircut, you know? And like, yeah, it just messes you up and you're just, I was never myself in that. So there was no convincing anyone of anything. Mm-hmm. That's one thing you say about five iron, regardless if you like their music or whatever, they've been, they're themselves. Yeah. And that's a really cool. And like, that's any advice. That's advice I would give any new band. Like <laughs> just be yourself. Like you have the greatest chance of success. If you're going to be yourself. And now of course you can market it and brand it and do whatever you want. But for me, I never got an opportunity to really be myself in a band. So the idea of even being an artist, like to this day, I'm having a hard time putting any music out. Mm. Like I have an album done that I've had, I've been done for months and I'm just looking at it. Like it's like on distro kid. And I'm just like, mm. what, do, what do I do? I don't want anyone to hear this in my life, you know? Mm. So for me, helping others, 
was really fun. The Sonic part of it is really intriguing to this day, like where I'm just like wrapped up in it. You know, I'm wrapped up in sound. I think it's the most fun crap ever. Mm-hmm. So I was always into it. And then, you know, I just got really lucky and did a, did a few artists that kind of blew blew up or were big, you know. You you need a few of those. Yeah. You, you, you need a few of those, like, all the time. Like, I need Five Iron right now. It's like bands aren't doing great right now. Right. So I need a great band like Five Iron to be like, yeah, we went back to Jer, and it sounds great. So yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, I'm also sorry that that was such a miserable experience. That's, I mean, that, that seems like a very. I'm friends with the guys. I'm good with the guys. Just like the industry, just like the chew you up, spit you out, you know, you're, you're the flavor of the moment, like trying to find that like next sort of post-hardcore emo kind of outfit to. What you know, was funny the- about me is I was really into like I'm still into it. I'm I've always been into like really shoegazy ambient mm-hmm. dream rock. Like I rolled into that studio with like keyboards and they were like, nah, no more keyboards. And I was yeah. I remember thinking like, why are you choosing our band? Just get another band. There's like right. six gazillion bands out there that the singer wasn't a nose guard for a college football team. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyone else? Don't come change me. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Was it? Just did it feel arbitrary to you then? Like, if they're just like, they wanted to tell you what to be, or did they feel? Did was it like they thought that they could, you know, find a small band that was like hungry enough that they could manipulate them, or what? What was what was that like then? Like to your point, like well, why not just get another band that sounds more like what they want? I think at the time we did sound different. I, you know, some of the reviews of my, my, my record doesn't sound the way we started, but you know, some of the reviews kind of, to me, made me giggle. Like one review was like, Oh, it's like emo with Ozzy or the singer of journey. And I was honestly like, cool, (laughs) dope. But I think, I think we were just a little different for the, for the A&R and the people who were like, coming after us so i i think it just felt different for them and Mm. i think they just had high hopes that something great would happen but you know as soon as it didn't they were happy to move on they it it was no big deal i don't know if that answers the question it didn't feel arbitrary but it definitely felt contrived yeah you know where i'm singing these words and i'm like i don't know what this means like what what is this like what you know i mean like i'm like like when I write lyrics, it's very literal. Like I I don't mean to, but it just ends up being so literal, not poetic literal like De Bazan or something. Just kind of like you know, so literal that it's like okay, <laughs> I know what okay. he's thinking, and they didn't want that. So you know what I mean. Whatever. Yeah. It, well, you did get a song in Burnout Three Takedown. Whoo! Hey, that's a big deal. <laughs> I did do another record that I would send you guys in private. Um, if you're interested, called Savio. And it's just really sad. My dad died, and this girl dumped me, and I wrote this just miserable album. But it turned out really great. It's a little more how I wanted it to be. Like Cool. So, yeah, I'd like to hear that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Send it to you in private. So Sounds good. 
That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talked about sort of finding joy and helping other people with their sound and, and the sonic process. Like, are there, what are some of your favorite projects you've done? I mean, rock records, the five iron one is, it's up there for me. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the Norma Jean record I did, Meridian Null, mm-hmm. um, cause it's just so bonkers. Um, <laughs> I am but, a big Norma Jean fan. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I, they, they just, I haven't talked to them in a long while, but I always thought they were a great band. I, there are a few records I've done that no one will ever hear because they don't come out. Like, I can't tell you, like, probably, I'd say 40% of the records I've done, the, the artists either quit or broke up or whatever before it ever came out, and those records just cruised into the ether, huh. you know? Yeah. There was this band I produced called She Came From Above, and I'm telling you, this is one of the most badass records I've ever done. Like, I just can't even believe it, and not a soul heard that thing. Mm-hmm. I did a record for this guy, John Mark McMillan, do you guys know about John Mark McMillan? Yeah, his name is familiar for sure. He's kind of big in that like halfway Christian and indie right, world. Right. Like, but we did his record, and it, it essentially was shelved. Like the label essentially was just like, eh, and they didn't like put anything behind it. Incredible record, but was the question what records have I done that I love? Is that I'm sorry. Yeah, just I, like what what are some of the ones that you're that you're proudest of? Hmm. I'm really proud of that first Johnny Swim record I mixed. Yeah. Um, the Five Iron, obviously. Um, there's an artist called Old Sea Brigade that I did that I really love. Let me think. Gosh, there's a lot. There's a band from Virginia that I love called Over the Ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. Let me look at my list. Do I have a list anymore? I have to be you have a myself. You have a Spotify playlist. Yeah, I haven't updated that in like four years. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! Reese was telling us about how much he he loves Eleven D Seven. Oh, oh, Matt Langston. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Matt get is the best dude ever. I love this band I produce called Sun Bears. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. I mean, like I'm a big fan. Cool. Uh, there's there's a lot. I'm sorry, guys. Um, That's fine. It's hard, you know, because you get you get really excited about what you're working on if it's good. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you almost you just keep moving forward, and it's it's interesting how many times you look back and be like, I, I mean, I, there are times where I went back to a record and I didn't, I have no recollection of even doing it. Hmm. And it turned out great, and it's fun to listen to all these <laughs> years later. So, yeah, there's there's my answer. <laughs> Makes sense. Cool. And that uh, that Norma Jean record that you produced is um, being repressed, uh, or and maybe it was pressed originally, but it's uh, being released on uh, vinyl this month. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm psyched about that because I pre-ordered that. Because yeah, I didn't even know were... about that, but the drummer for that record, this guy named Chris Rains, hit me up. He was like, check it out. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, this is great. Um, another record, real quick, another record I love doing is all of the Gasoline Heart records I've done. Do you guys know mm. about Gasoline Heart? Yeah. I, I haven't. He's probably the be- one of the best songwriters I've ever mm. dealt with in my life where you're just like, okay, like 
There it is. That's it. He's just said it all. You know what I mean? You should check mm-hmm. it out. Check out. We just did a record together called Allergic to Wood, which is funny okay. because he's allergic to wood, actually. Oh, interesting. So it's one of the records where he and I just did everything together. Like, it's just he and hmm. I. So anyway. That's uh, like Louis de, de Fabrizio, right? Yeah, he was in Dear Ephesus. Yeah, we've talked about him on the pod, Andrew, but I can't remember his capacity. MXPX. He did some. He did some uh, background or guest vocals for. Right, right, right. I know that he was definitely on uh, Secret Weapon, the MXPX he, record. Secret. He's Weapon. close with right. Mike. He's close yes. with Mike. Okay, so. this is that's all coming together now. Yeah, cool. I definitely want to check. Lewis. This out. I think he did. Uh, I think was. I think he did uh, vocals on the "She's on Fire." Yeah. Song. Yes. He, I, if I'm remembering correctly. He's so special, but I love Lewis is one of my best friends, and he would. Pr- definitely agree with me but that guy will piss everyone off live like <laughs> he's just like you suck he's like yelling in the mic but he's just, he's the most original one of the most original dudes i've ever met in my life that's cool so, i don't know why cool. i've been calling him louis when it's louis but i don't know it sounded i mean everyone calls him right lou right. Just, right, cool so, right on. <laughs> totally fine call him what you want he won't call care. him louis <laughs> he's great so um right on well is there anything that you want to plug? You mentioned your podcast. What's, uh, what's your podcast deal? Uh, well, I'm not done yet, and it's actually with Matt Langston from 11. Oh, right on. Are you oh, going to be on the uh, Rock Candy uh, label? Well, yeah, I am, uh, eventually. Right I, I think he's mad at me because it's taken me like a year to do like four episodes. I'm sorry, Matt. But <laughs> it's called uh, Your Gear Sucks. It's basically okay. about uh, how gear is kind of bullshit, but also not at all. <laughs> You know, like it sounds great. It's but it actually has every episode. Every episode I've done so far has nothing to do with that. Like I thought I was like I'm going to be technical, man. I'm just going to talk about like stupid gear you have to have and all this stuff. And they end up being life stories. I feel like every time you get on a podcast, you start talking to another human being. Yeah, you just start talking about life and yeah, dude. That's that. <laughs> that's what. That's what connects listeners to the pod. Like. You know, I could, I could Google right now any number of music-based podcasts where they talk about a particular artist, just like we do. But I feel like the thing that connects me to other podcasts is that life stuff because it makes me care and give a shit about the person that I'm listening to. Like it gives totally. me an insight into their life, and why would I want to listen to somebody talk about something if I don't and if I don't really get a sense of like who they are as a person totally yeah i mean it's fun i think i want to rename it i like want to redo all my sound bites and everything uh just because i just didn't plan on that but i like the conversations i have with people yeah. and life is hard and i want to hear about it you know what i mean yeah. it's like i hear you man. so I'll let you guys know when it comes out. It'll be uh, it'll be good, I think. Cool, for <laughs> sure. Whatever it's called, it sounds it sounds great, man. It's called Your Gear Sucks. Yeah, That's yeah what okay. I'm, I'm still gonna, gonna call it that. that. Okay, okay, yeah. perfect. I want to call it that just because it's so su- stupid, but it's a good name, man. I'm into it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but I, be it's cool. yeah, like you gotta you're gonna. Um, immediately antagonize those gear nerds who are like this guy well i'll show him i'll show him my gear see my gear's the best gear and then <laughs> well just... it's like microphones okay let me just give you a quick rundown okay just hit it yeah. do it 
microphones to me. Are great mics great? Yes. Are shitty mics great? Yes. You put a great singer on any mic and they're great. You put a shit singer on a $50,000 mic and they're a shit singer. That's the end. Bye. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. I, I got so caught up. People would disagree with me. I'm like, He's wrong, dude. He is wrong, dude. You're going to hear that. But, um, Jeremy, I, anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I just want to talk about equipment and what it means to people and everything. Because like, for me, like I'm in a room where my life savings is in the room. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I've been working to put this room together for 25 years. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people who get into gear and like equipment and everything feel that way where they, you know, they get attached to things. They're attached to their mixing consoles or certain guitars or keyboards. And I just want to talk about that crap. You know what I mean? And so I have like three episodes done. I'll I'll get more done. I'll let you know. So cool. I mean, there's, there's a reason that the, SM58 is one of just, it's just like a standard microphone for, for live music. And it's a hundred dollar mic. It's not, people are not dragging out like $50,000 mics to do because that needs something that you could beat the shit out of it and spit on it, drop a beer on it, drop it off the stage, bring it back on stage. And it still sounds fucking awesome. Totally. And I don't want to discredit really nice gear because people put their heart and souls into making that stuff, and that stuff sounds amazing. So you put an amazing singer on an amazing mic, sure, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be cool. I just I like prefacing with that, just you know, clickbait, whatever. You right. Know? <laughs> right mic for the right occasion. We'll say how about there that. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But I, I mean, I'm addicted to synthesizers. I mean, I have so many synthesizers, and so people would probably think I'm nuts. Like, so if you. Here, can you see over here? Oh, shit. Wall of synths, my dude. Holy shit. That that rules. And then over here is my modular. I'm really into this stuff. I need some freaking light in here. What's going on here? Jeremy, you got got any uh, bleeps and bloops on this five iron record? (laughs) Uh, If they'll let me. Gosh, can you see it? What the hell? This is like my newest, my my newest like passion piece here. This is called Sputnik modular system wow look at that touch screen look at that thing that's really cool man anyway, dude that I'll looks like a microphone for for the listeners it sort of looks like you know a 1960s switchboard or something just like <laughs> lots of wires and and lots of things going on it's it's it looks pretty sick i'm really proud of that stuff you know like i had um i had a bunch of years in between there where i was extremely uninspired I, you know, you, you get into this rut where you just do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And one day I bought, I bought a broken synth and I have it over there still. It's called an Insonic ESQ one. I bought it locally for like 150 bucks. And I was like, I'm going to buy, I'm intentionally buying a broken synthesizer and I'm going to figure out how to make it work. And I did it. And then it became like a thing. And I started buying broken synths all over my town fixing them and then selling them for what they're worth and then buying a scent I want more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. mm-hmm. kind of became this thing. And then it just got me really inspired and got me really excited about working with people again and, and using these new sounds. And so cool. I feel like, I feel like I have these synthesizers to thank for my recent career. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I'm a big so. uh, Moog head, and uh, I really encourage listeners to use the hashtag uh, Five Iron Bleeps and Bloops if you want them to <laughs> get some bleeps and bloops on this new record. The more Sick. bleeps and bloops, the better. Yeah, um, I love the Moog stuff. I can't afford it, a lot of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have a sub fatty. Um, I'll, I'll eventually get like a Voyager or something, but it's just their shit is so rad. Yeah. So it's That's cool. Awesome. I'm, I'm stoked. So anyway. Well, Jeremy, Jeremy, uh, <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> thank sure, you. Jeremy, thank you so Jeremy. much. Jeremy, Jeremy, I need, I need some more fireball. Can you pour me, I, Jeremy. I think, it, I think I tipped the scales on the fireball. Did they tell you about what I was doing with his voice? Like how I was pitching it down? No, no. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, good. I, I was, I was going to close it out, but this this sounds perfect. <laughs> you might want to close it out. You might lose fans. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. This sounds hold like on. the kind of shit we're here for. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see here. I am really proud of it. Hold on. <laughs> I sent him to Sonny every day, and he's just like, these are pretty good, man. This is funny. You know, like, because he's, <laughs> he's the funniest human of all time. Yeah, I named this one uh, Reese Tip the Scales. So that's oh, a little man. sneak peek for you. That's amazing. <laughs> he was so fun. He he was so oh, great. Like uh, a little fireball it. is no big deal, you know. Like <laughs> he did a really great uh, job. He was he was really great. Really, that's great, awesome. So. I really hope Love those it. tracks see the light of day somehow. Like uh, <laughs> Jesus Part Three or whatever. But um, anyway, <laughs> well, it was awesome talking to you guys. Thanks for for having me yeah, yeah, Jeremy, yeah. Thank, thank you so thank much you so for much. taking the time man we uh of we course. loved we love talking to you we love uh, the record that you did and we're really excited about this new one man so awesome i'm excited too all right take care Later. well thanks so much to jeremy sh griffith had a great time talking to him. Learned interesting things. He's a cool dude. I think uh, I think you mean Jer- Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Had a great time talking to Jeremy. Uh, sure. Boy, I'm never gonna. We're never gonna stop that now. <laughs> no, nope, that's that is a bit forever. <laughs> so thanks so much to Jeremy. Uh, check his stuff out, and uh, let's take a little break and come back and hear between pavement and stars. Yeah. <laughs> And we are back. Mm-hmm. And we're talking between pavement and stars. Yeah, we are. The uh, 2015 six song EP. Definitely not a seven song EP because that would be lame. <laughs> but prime number <laughs> albums are better. Right. Um, this is a <laughs> reference to. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa's weird conspiracy theory. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, our yeah. recent Scott interview, you definitely should. <laughs> for sure. No, I think uh, I think six is good for an EP. Uh, prime numbers aside. Yeah, it's. I mean, other than the uh, the nineteen minutes, it is. You know, that's right. a uh, there you as go. a prime number. So I don't know. Maybe there's something there. All coming together. 
<laughs> um, so John, you you were around for Engine. Where were you? Do you remember this EP dropping in 2015? Because this is an EP that once again I was unaware of until we essentially started preparing last year for this podcast. Yeah, no, I, I this was not on my radar at all. I I hadn't heard any of this until we started the season. Um, but very happy to report, much like Engine, uh, it rules. Yes, it does. Uh, not a bad song among these six songs. That is accurate. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I I don't know. I you know, like I said, when I heard a little bit of Engine at the time, I, would, I don't know if I was really ready for it. So I don't know if I would have felt differently hearing this at the time. But um, having now listened to Engine this season and loving it, uh, it was a very nice surprise to see that all these songs uh, I also loved. So it's just a nice continuation of those of those sessions. Agreed. And I, I think it, the production is really on point. Um, I think we, there are some songs on here that we talked to Scott and Reese about uh, that, like the boomerang that was sort of a song that became a mess and people started out liking it. And then everybody was like, no, this, this became too many things. And then, it didn't end up on the record and um yeah. so um and to astoria which was originally part of cheeses which was re- uh, cheeses uh, uh the second coming of cheeses which was a kickstarter re- reward uh, was re-recorded for this and um so yeah there's there's just lots of little little nuggets and of course blizzards and bygones yeah. on this so there's there's so many little things on this ep that i i i love so yeah um do you have any any details you want to share or should we uh uh i mean we could just say a couple things so this was as you mentioned uh self-released uh november 22nd 2015 keeping up with that november release schedule so it's two Mm -hmm. years after the uh proper album once again these are from the same session so also produced by jeremy and by scott um this also received good reviews when it came out um i think you know as we discussed any of these songs could have been on the proper album um i see why probably all of them are not uh, and why they're here but i'm glad we got this and i know all of them have said there's like you know one or two songs from this that they could have seen on the album i don't know that i would necessarily take any of them and put them on the album i like the album as it stands like i don't know if right. i necessarily swap any out but i do i do really like all these and think they would be uh, perfectly fine contenders to make the cuts and, and fit with the theme and everything with the exception maybe of, of two Astoria, which is a different thing, but I'm glad right. it found a home here. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm i I'm a big fan. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on, on these songs. So uh, I think instead of wasting any more time, sure. just sort of talking about them in non-specifics, I think we should just Let's do it. Uh, jump into it with, boomerang and don't be confused <laughs> right we are not starting our episode again um i think i made that exact same joke yeah, on the mxpx <laughs> podcast when we when we finally got to hey, our work then it works then yeah gotta get those jps's man that's right <laughs>
This song is such a banger. I would love to hear this song live. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I I know as you said that uh, the band members feel like nobody was happy with the the final product, but guess what? I'm happy with it. <laughs> I think it's great. I'm, I think it's great. I mean, there's a reason it's our intro song, and that yeah. the bass the bass rules, the drums rule, the yeah. Yeah, the drums are great. The first time I heard any of the CP was you playing me this song and saying, don't you think this would make a good theme song for the second season? I was like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. And yeah. it still rules. I still get hyped when I hear that bass line intro. Yeah. I, I get hyped after uh, the post-chorus going into the, the second verse when the horns yeah. come in. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great. Yeah. I know that they kind of said that the chorus was where they kind of came to differences in terms of where the song should go. And I guess I will say like the first time I heard the chorus, I was kind of surprised that that's where it went. Not necessarily in a good way. Cause I was like jiving with what they had been doing and then it kind of goes a different way, but now I'm used to it and I'm into it. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind it's a slightly sort of different vibe, I guess, from, from verse and pre-chorus into chorus, but yeah, I don't know. I like the kind of continuing the week and start a fire theme. Yeah. I I do think, you know, to Reese's point, I think it was Reese that was saying that there's like, he's like, they're talking about like masts and ships. Is this about pirates? And there's something about boomerangs. And there's, you know, there's like, there's a lot of like imagery. And then there's the whole thing about starting a fire. And so (laughs) there's just, there's a lot of things going on. And I, I can, I, I do love the, you know, did you hear what's coming back? You know, yeah, I, I, I I love, I think it's a funny joke. Uh, it's a good joke. And, yeah. you know, got to have those JPSs on a five iron, <laughs> five iron record. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah. They, uh, I, go I'm ahead. Do it. No, no, go ahead. So they intended this to be the opening track of Engine, as we talked about with them, and kind of the band's proper comeback song. Like instead of Dark and Stormy Night, I think the idea was to have this one and kind of writing the song around referencing the band coming back. So I think that's where some of that imagery comes from, but ultimately kind of deciding that it was it was too much. And so Reese said that this was a, a Frankenstein edit cobbled together from various takes by Jeremy um, when uh, Scott and Reese couldn't agree on the chorus but i don't know i will say i like it a lot my favorite part is probably the pre-chorus uh with the horns where it's like set your cadence to a different drum that that gets me really hyped so i don't know i i like it set your cadence to a different drum 
also love there's lots of claps going on and yeah, yeah. you know the scuts 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 yeah love, the drums I on the chorus that. are awesome yeah gets me gets me hyped um god hates flags mm. so many great uh there's so many great lines in this you know if i yes. wish your face got stabbed would i be just as bent <laughs> as you um it's the uh, very fact you're alive says god must also love douchebags um <laughs> as we have called out before yes it's a great line great line love the love the ska guitar yes uh, definitely has more um so someone else's problem has definitely got that sky element, but I don't know this, that these upstrokes to me are just, yeah, they get me, they get me hyped. They feel more like that kind of classic Scott sound. So this is yeah. my number three. Oh, okay. Okay. This is, I thought uh, this, I thought this might make your list. I, it, 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 it gets edged out barely. Okay. It's, uh, it's certainly in that Zen vein of, of burning things down. <laughs> yes. I think it's, I really, I really like um, the the guitar lines and the guitar licks and everything. Yeah. But the the chorus never shifts into that. Yeah, I can see it that. Just, it's not a chorus that like really really grabs me. Yeah. No, I think I agree with that. Um, I like. I mean, as you said, I think I'm just into it immediately from those upbeat guitar strokes, the drums, yeah. that kind of hi hat yeah. ska sound, and the horn yeah. sound is yeah. great from the intro. Um, but I think I agree. But where it gets me is like eventually that upbeat guitar stroke turns into like the full on kind of downstroke distorted guitar, distorted guitar yeah. Yeah, yeah, on the yeah. bridge, and then those big drum fills come in. Like that's when I'm like, okay, now it's sort of taking off into the next level for me. We should um, listen to the bridge. Yeah. And the only saving grace We only ever need speak of If ever there's a question The answer is to love The answer is to love There's a chip that's on my shoulder Yeah. Yeah. I just like the vibe of it. Yeah, it's a great vibe. I... It's funny because... (laughs) Uh, the verses 
the the intro, the verses, and the bridge are way more interesting to me than the chorus. Yeah, I think that's like, I think that's fair. Um, I I yeah. So I just wish the the chorus had something else that was like that punched a little bit bigger. Right. But I love I love. You know, this is sort of the replacement to the song Reese was trying to write, the song Homophilia right. that he was trying to write. And um, and so I, I love I love a lot about this song and the if there ever there's a question, the answer is to love. Um, I I think that and I even think maybe Leonor said in her interview that if there's something that sums up five iron yeah today it is it's that line yeah and i co-sign that one million percent as as a any sort of um mission statement i guess so to right speak. yeah i wanted to call that out as well um yeah i think so originally he said the lyrics to battle into unicorns were the hemophilia ones which became this song um, I think that's what he said. Um, yes. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the answer is to love. We talked about this in our <laughs> Michael W. Smith and Newsboys episode where there's lots of talk about love. Um, yes, yes. From segments that we may not agree with what to love means. Right, um, yeah. And so that is frustrating, you know, when we were at that, concert which you can go back and listen to that episode there's a lot of talk about love from the stage but there's also a lot of uh, conservative politics and we talked about this kind of you know a lot of churches espousing this idea of like we just need to love well how can you love and not affirm someone um but yes. i think that the difference here so we read some of this blog post that reese wrote when we discussed uh, mr fahrenheit on the all the hype episode and reese talked about some of this with us as well but he wrote in this blog post about attending his um, aunt's wedding, who is gay um, Mm -hmm. and kind of about his sort of evolution on LGBTQ stuff. Um, But he wrote in this blog post, I believe we have all been charged with one thing and one thing only to love one another. Since we have been freed from our sin by the love of Christ, whatever that sin may be, what are we going to do with that love? Like, I think that's the, that's the distinction. Like that's the question. So love, but what does that mean? Well, it's, it's, it's an action of um, compassion and and not just like lip service, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Love without action is, is, is not love. Love is, love is tangible and, and physical and you don't do it selfishly. You do it. You're giving of yourself to stand on a stage and proclaim, you know, we need to love with the love of Christ or whatever, like, you know, at a Michael W. Smith or Newsboys show. And then it's like, well, here's a list of all the people in the Bible. The Bible says are sinners that we don't want in our church or um, we don't want, we don't want them getting married or whatever. And you're, and you're dismissing them and their humanity. It's like, Ah, uh, I mean, I would argue that that's that's not really love, right? It's kind of like the the Black Lives Matter discussion we had, where it's like I don't necessarily need a, a corporation to tell me Black Lives Matter. I would like to see their actions reflect that. You know, like painting on the street Black Lives Matter is great, but policies that show the Black Lives Matter are better. So I, I kind of feel the same yeah. way with this, where it's like 
yes, love yeah. everyone for sure. But then how does that, how is that reflected in your life and decisions you make and stuff? So, yeah. Yeah. Allyship without action yep. is meaningless. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I commend the song uh, for a number of reasons, but I think it, it really chews on this stuff in a, in a thoughtful way. Um, yep. And uh, I should also say this was released originally on a promotional sampler CD prior to Engine's release, um, but then didn't end up making the cut for the album. So interesting. Yep. Um, Blizzards and Bygones. Yes. Oh, man. Just immediately. (laughs) Just like feeling the feelings. John, do you need a hug? Back when the angels of heaven would sing Days when I still made you feel something And before what might be became what's already been Blizzards and bygones, the frost and no thaw Airways constricting and vessels withdraw And you look around but find yourself all alone And you I could easily just keep listening to this entire song because it's the building is perfect. Scott's yep. voice is beautiful and perfect. Yep. And this is my number one. It is also my number one. Uh, yep. No surprise there for either of us, I don't think, but no. yeah, we talked about, I don't know. So you, you're, you are, you're firm. This version is better than the album version. I, I, if I'm going to put on a blizzards and bygones, it's going to be this one. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. I can't decide. I, I might be with you that I prefer this version. I wonder. It's just so fucking poignant. It just sounds like it, it's just, it's so, I feel like the way Scott sings, I think the stripped down simplicity of it really lets Scott's voice shine. And it's not that I don't like Reese's voice for the song. I just think Scott's voice, this is Scott's song. And I think, that that to me elevates it to uh, another level. Yeah, I think this is the best Scott has ever sounded. He sounds great. I mentioned on our engine app, like even if it was the the full band version, I kind of wish that Scott <laughs> would have sung just just because I kind of associate with his sort of vision for the song yeah. so clearly. Um, I think he sounds so good here. I kind of wondered if this should have been like the secret track or something on the proper album, um, mm. but. I'm glad we have both. I think they're different enough. Um, and I do really love the horns and the full sound of the album version. Um, yeah. Two, two, two great versions of one really good song. I don't know. I'm glad we have both of them. I do like when the, I like when the drums kick in. Yeah. I mean, this version building up is great too. It's little noodly guitars. Oh, it's so great. Very Scott. So cool. Yeah, I don't know how, 
he decided on those those sounds. I like this bit. So great. I love it. Yep. I think it's I think it's the the superior version. Yeah, it might be. Fight me. Those, those bleepy bloopy <laughs> keys in the background right there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I I will I think this showcases more clearly the strength of the bones of the song, you know? Like yeah. it, it's just kind of laid bare more. Um Yeah. But uh and there's a slight change of chords there in this version that feels a little more kind of like radio heady to me in terms of it the does. progression. Yeah. Yeah, and and those those just textural guitar parts. I yep, just love so it. So great. You're now. Yeah. That's that that Scott Texture. Hashtag Scott yeah. Texture. Um <laughs> yes, we we stand Blizzards and Bygones, parentheses, all frost and no thaw version. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh let's venture into that storm. <laughs> the storm um i would say if i if i'm ranking all the songs um this would probably be number six for me it's a it's a dennis song (laughs) is it oh my god (laughs) yeah i I didn't i didn't know i honestly didn't know that because (laughs) well so is the next one and we and we feel differently about that one we feel Um, i feel very very strongly about the next one yeah I, I probably agree with you. Um, ultimately, I think it it kind of doesn't take off in the way that I want it to. But I will say I love those intro horns. It sounds great. Yeah. Um, I yeah. like the chorus a lot. And then there's a good buildup into just the drums and bass and the vocals on the on the second to last chorus. I like kind of the, the dynamics of the song. I, there's an energy on this one that I really like and the sound of this one that I like a lot. Um, yeah, this is great. And it builds up. Just close your eyes and keep holding on as we ride into the I do like those those ascending denanet 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 yeah, horn great. lines. I think every Dennis song has great horn arrangements. I mean, that's kind of yeah. his his deal, but they always sound really good. It kind of yeah. has the same vibe as as I've seen the sun in the sense, which is Dennis' song on the, the proper album, of that kind of like building. I think he's great at like stripping down and then building back up to where the end of the song. I'm like, oh, I think I actually like this song more than I thought I did for the first couple of minutes. Cause it just like does such a great job building up. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I, I'm into it. I like it. 
um, to Astoria. Well, at last a final wave settled many in the grave. Yet here I am just standing like a tree. Out of a map and out of a spade and there's a treasure in a cave somewhere on the coast just west of Tripoli. Shooting Fendi on my pride, howling Molly by my side. The Inferno, she's the jewel of the valley fleet. Pushing, pulling, anchors way on the seven seas we sway. To a distant shore where the air is cool and sweet. To a Astoria. is my number two me too yeah i love this song this might be i know this song was written for the second coming of cheeses mm-hmm. but this song rules and it might be my favorite dennis song that he's ever done it's up there it's i it's, i it's, think it's yeah. it's perfect in the in the it's not even two minutes and 30 seconds. It's got a folk punk, Irish punk, yeah. like uh, thing going on. And I love his voice. Yeah, it sounds great. Love his so cool. voice. It's, it's so um, great. The, he's a, got a squeeze box going in there. Yeah, yeah. Everything just sounds, everything is so great. The, the drums yeah, is just perfect. Everything about it rules. It's it's unlike anything they've done for sure. It's unlike yeah. any other Dennis song for any of yeah. the yeah. you know Five Iron or BST projects or anything. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just completely its own thing. But I'm I'm so here for what the sound of it is. You know, you mentioned uh, Mumford when we talked about yeah. it last time, and it does yeah, have yeah, that yeah. kind of folk, folky Celtic yeah. sound, like you were saying, that kind of Irish. Yeah, uh, pub song, pub punk song sound. Yeah, um, but something about it, yeah, I mentioned this too. But like that low horn and the keys uh, and guitar sound yeah. remind yeah. me of of Neutral Milk Hotel. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just this weird jangly lo-fi sound that I never would have expected from them. But I'm so glad it's on this. Yeah, this 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 definitely could have been like an airplane over the sea kind right. of yeah uh, B side deep cut or something. Right. Yeah, or it almost yeah. even has like. Uh, the like i love you jesus christ song yeah totally uh, it, f- it like, feels very like that to me yeah yeah uh cuz doesn't that song also have kind of a, doesn't that song also have a squeeze box in yeah, it like for sure. an accordion yep. so i don't know but like this song was written for kickstarter right and i'm like it just makes me think man like i wonder i'm just curious like that Den- like Dennis contains multitudes, you know. Yes, he does. He's he he's such a great songwriter, despite the fact that I uh, invariably seem to not be drawn to a lot of his particular songs on the records. But I I love everything that he contributes to the band, and I just think like I wonder if this song exists and came to be because he was writing outside like it's almost like there's a freedom to like uh 
to write something different because there was no expectation for what it should sound like because it didn't need to sound like a five iron song. Right. Yeah. No? I know that a lot. So singing serpent his studio. I know that they do a lot of like music and TV, like commercials and stuff. And I wonder if like he can just toss off, you know, a couple minutes of a completely different style. No problem all the time. I'm guessing that's yeah. kind of like part of the vibe and he maybe had, that sound in mind or had done something like that and just wanted to bang that out. But yeah, this was, so as recent Scott said, this was like one of the Kickstarter back, backer levels they had was like asking for a song about a particular topic. And I guess somebody asked for a song about Astoria and there are particular names in it. So I don't know if those are the, the backers or their friends who they wanted to be in the song, but yeah. And then Dennis has just turned out so good that it decided to include it on a proper <laughs> release. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, and the re-record this re-recorded version is okay. next level compared to the the cheeses one. I would like uh, them to play it live sometime. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be sick. Be cool. Um, so uh, between the pavement and the stars, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh yeah. process of elimination this is my number three Your number three yeah this song is great i yeah. love i love those opening guitar riffs and the the, the palm muted stuff yeah. that mike has got going on and uh and plus they just released this is the only uh song that has a music video and they literally just released it yeah. during quarantine like right. it was like a zoom video music so video fun. yeah and i love seeing reese go ham on this yeah, song so great. his it's screamy really yelly vocals i'm all about it it's uh yeah it's a really fun one it definitely was a contender for me i mean they all kind of were but yeah i think i think i prefer god hates flags but it was close um the, i love the, i think it just the reese's the soaring chorus to me, yeah, it, it gets there in the in the in the in the. I mean, I think yeah. Um, <laughs> I think something uh, that that Meg had said on Instagram when we talked about our top three is that you know she she's like I would have put money on on Andrew liking um, Zen. The Zen phobia, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, that's very on brand for me." And so it's almost like I'm I'm going against my brand by right. not choosing the overt, obvious right, political right. message. But there's something that I can't deny about the catchiness and the hookiness of yeah. this song. For sure, it's um, you know, 
it feels like it feels much more like the traditional five iron ending worship song in the sense of like it feels big and it ends with hallelujah <laughs> not yeah. that that's the reason why it's your number three but like it just feels like this kind of triumphant culminating final song and the sound on it is great um i yeah as you said that intro with the guitar riff and then the big drum sound just comes in on top of it like that's pretty hard to yeah. Yeah. say no to they said that this was cut from the album by a majority of vote in favor of uh dark and stormy um and if it comes down to those two i i think it's the right choice like i'm glad that that dark and stormy is on the proper album I think Scott said he wanted this to be on the album. I'm sure other members of the band felt that way. Um, yeah, there's no denying it's a, it's a great song. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, this, now that I think about it, you know, this, the fact that this song exists and wasn't the closer. Right. It's like, surprising. Because it, it does, it, it, because Blizzards and Bygones is almost like, the antithesis to right you know it's more it's it's pulled back a little bit more it's right. more restrained and this song is just out the gate just big and yeah. anthemic and leaves you feeling like it gives you that like yeah that hallelujah mo- literally a hallelujah moment at the end as right. opposed to like blisters and bygones which leaves you with a question and right. like a little bit of like but I don't know. I still, I think it's I still so think cool. They made the right choice with yes, lizards that they chose to end with the question mark. Like, yeah. Cause if I heard this batch of songs, I for sure would have expected that this was the open or this was the closing song on the album. Um, right. But I, yeah, I love the way that it ends. And I do think it's a different ending with this would certainly be a different vibe than the, than the, what the proper album turned out to be. Um, but I love, okay, so it was written about one of Reese's friends who was losing her faith. Um, and I love the kind of, again, they, they're great at these sort of mantras that come in and the love is patient, it barely crawls, love has only conquered all. It's great in terms of that five irony anthem of it being something that is comforting, hopeful, um, but it's also, again, something that's like, still kind of a a struggle (laughs) like it's Mm -hmm. it's barely crawling um but the point is patience so again it's not like even though it ends with hallelujah it doesn't feel like this huge triumphant like bang you over the head with it thing it's this sort of like gentle reminder of of you know the good things about about love and about hope um so anyway well it's 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 in line with the message of engine just right right you know, it's barely crawling, but at there, you know, it's still hope still flies essentially. Right, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. It's another variation on that, which I'm always here for. I'm here for hope. So hope and love, bro. <laughs> that is between the, the new and five, stars. <laughs> the new five, <laughs> the new five iron album. Hope and love, bro. Hope and love comma, bro. Um, <laughs> yes. They dropped the, thes for the, for the record title. Cause it's cleaner. Just like Facebook. Um, <laughs> I think I think I remember Justin Timberlake saying to Reese, like, "You got to drop the the." <laughs> Reese, it sounds great, but uh, one thing, drop the the. <laughs> it's cleaner. Um, this is a great EP. I 
I'm sad. We're out of we're out of proper five iron material at this point. Um, that, is, that is true. Well, we still have we still Jesus have still coming. coming. <laughs> I don't know if we'd say proper, but uh, no, I, it'll it's... be fun to get into. Um, and at some point we'll have to rank these albums and what I've been wondering about is whether we include the EPs or not. So we'll have to, we'll have to talk about that, but let's uh, talk about it. I mean, with, with MXPX, we did proper releases, right? But this feel, I don't know the, a, they have less albums and B both the EPs feel so important to me now in right. the five iron discography. And I feel like a lot of people sort of consider, um, uh, what am I quantity. thinking of quantity to be kind of like a, a an essential album of theirs so anyway we'll we'll get into all that but it was super fun to talk about this finally i've loved these several episodes where we're kind of just digging into all these this engine batch session songs yeah um, yep, yep, so, yep. good stuff if you have thoughts about between pavement stars you can let us know at magnified pod on instagram twitter and facebook subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or a review we'll read your review on the pod email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com you can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 877-MAGPOD. You can support us at patreon.com slash magnifiedpod and get some of that post-game bonus content goodies we've been teasing. Uh, pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Thanks very much to Shadow Producer Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl, and thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios and Danny Leary for our artwork. Well, time is winding down, but only for this up. We want you to be found enjoying the next step when we'll be joined by another very special guest. Yeah. But I last the final wave settled many in the grave. Yet here I am just standing like a tree. Out of a map and out of a spade and there's a treasure in a cave somewhere on the coast just west of Tripoli. Shooting Fendi on my pride and howling Molly by my side. I will wait, I will wait for you. <laughs> yeah, where's that where's that mandolin, bro? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love how raspy his voice sounds. Sounds oh, great. Sounds great. Love it. <laughs>